Welcome back, everyone, to We'll Take Selly, episode two. I'm Nick McCann. I'm joined by uh, my brother Andy here. Uh, episode two, we're just going to review all the games that have happened thus far, starting on Saturday's game. Um, and uh, before we start, I'd just like to thank everyone who's reached out and given us our feedback of the podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it. And, um, uh, you know, we really look forward and, and hope to continue that you guys reach out to us and, and give us your feedback. Uh, with that being said, though, unfortunately, I worked this weekend, so I do not I wasn't able to watch the uh, games on Saturday or Sunday, so I didn't take notes for him. But uh, I'll hand it off to Andy because I know he watched them and I'll give it over to you, Ann. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't actually remember specifically what what days or what games were played on those days, but, I mean, I'll just go back to my notes for the first few series. I um, got them uh, right here. Um, yeah, all right, if you could throw them out. Yeah, I believe Saturday it was just game one of uh, Bruins and Caps. Austin, right. Yeah, yep, okay. and then Sunday was the Islanders – Penguins, Wild, Golden Knights, Lightning, Panthers, all their game ones. Okay. So, yeah, so starting with Boston, yeah, game one was pretty um, – honestly, game one was what I was expecting for the series. And uh, game two and game three, Washington hasn't really showed it. They really let Boston stay in these games and, and hold on to one goal – um, deficits for a very long time. Uh, and in part, that's due to Tuka Rask, I would say. He's, um, he's been stepping it up in a way that I think, you know, it, depending on how far they make it in this, in this postseason, he's stepping up in a way lately to me that kind of, I think, pays his debts. Um, they're really channeling through him and through Hall this postseason right now. Pasternak has been, um, you know, to my, my my cousin gave me this take last night, and it's a good point. Pasternak has been basically invisible this postseason. And Marshawn and Bergeron have had their issues in, in postseasons, recent postseasons past. And so when those three guys go down like that and when you can't count on them day in and day out, um, I find that team kind of vulnerable, I guess I'll say. Um, <laughs> Burton just knocked down the laundry basket. But, um, yeah, no, that, that first game of the series is really how I thought this was going to go. I felt Washington had complete control of that game. It never was really out of their reach. Um, and the, to the last two games, game two and game three, game two, I, um, you know, I get it. Like you're in Boston and, and you got to win a game at home. So that game I wasn't really expecting Washington to take, but I was expecting them to kind of be a little bit more aggressive last night, a little bit more um, I guess shot oriented. I, I, I just well, go even ahead. Yeah. Stronger on the puck. I mean, I don't know if you watched the full game, but in overtime, the first one, you could really see that the Capitals were disconnected. You know, it, it almost mm -hmm. seemed like I think I could go to my notes real quick. Um, I think I mentioned multiple times 
you know, did the Capitals even know they played today? Were, were they <laughs> told by their coach, hey, um, you know, the guys, game's at 7, and they, they thought, do you mean Eastern Standard Time or Pacific Standard Time? Yeah. Uh, it, it just seemed like they just weren't in it. Um, so I definitely can see where you're coming from there. Yeah. So, you know, Boston, I think, is uh, is in a pretty good spot. You know, they're up two games to one. And right now, I was really expecting this series to be 2-1 in the other direction, at least. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. But, yeah, that first game was very – I wrote, you know, Washington played as scripted and never really didn't have control of the game. Um, I think if they fall back into that mentality from game one, and you know what, Ovechkin has got to stop getting aggravated. I know he's had his, uh, he has the full right to be aggravated right now. Um, but it's only round one, man, (laughs) you, you got to get past this round and then two more before you even have a shot at it. So I think he needs to be the veteran and, and, be that calming force. I know he's a very passionate player, but I'd like to see him kind of settle and try not to let uh, the small stuff get to him, especially this early in the playoffs, this early in the series. Um, I didn't watch. Did I watch? I watched much of Vegas, like maybe half of the game. Um, but that, I mean, that was dual and, Specifically with Marc Andre Fleury, I mean, he stopped what, like 40, 40 shots that game, and his team just couldn't <laughs> couldn't make it happen for him. Um, but you know, game two they turned that right around, and uh, his guys in front gave him some support. So, yeah, he made forty one saves that game. Forty one, yeah, that's... Face 42. <laughs> and made forty two. That's huge. And that um, that game was a very fun game to watch. I know that a lot of people like to see scoring, especially in the playoffs. True. Um, but this one was definitely a goaltender's battle, and it really showed with Talbot with the uh, um, career uh, shutout that he had. And then Flurry was just a save away from having a shutout. Um, you know, that, that was a very fun game to watch. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um yeah, the general fan definitely wants to see more scoring, but man, I'll take a 1-0 overtime playoff game any day of the week. That's a, that's a really good game to watch as a fan, as a true hockey fan, I think. Yeah. Um, moving on, let's see who else I write about. So Florida and Tampa Bay, um, I wanted to get into this because I know you picked Florida for this series. I picked Tampa, and – the first two games are really indicative of, of why I picked Tampa. Um, Florida is playing their game, and they're playing it well. So here's some good news for, for Panthers fans. Um, your guys are right there, and you're playing your game, and I can see it you know, unfolding out there. But Tampa's doing the same thing, and Tampa's been around for much longer than Florida has. Tampa also is the defending Stanley Cup champions. And so when two teams are playing their system that clinically, um, if it's that much, you know, if it's if it's matched at that level, the team with the more, you know, more playoff experience, who's more familiar with the atmosphere and the stage is typically going to end up taking those series. So I think that's why Tampa is starting to walk away with that series. 
Um, that series actually makes me f- feel very reminiscent of the first season we had, or the first series we had with Boston in 2019. Um, and the, by first series, I mean of you know in recent years we have played them in the in the past, but. Yeah, it's like, you know, Carolina, we just made it into the playoffs that year. We met with Boston in the in the Stanley Cup finals after coming off of um, that game seven win with Washington and then sweeping the Islanders. And we were there for game one and game two with Boston. Um, we just, I think we, I don't remember what the scores were, but they were close games and just the feel of the game. We were, we were playing the game that we wanted to play but Boston was just that team that's been around for longer. They've, they know that um, the feel of these kind of games better. And I think that they can weather the storm a little bit longer than a team who is not used to this setting uh, facing that adversity. Um, so I think this series is actually going to play out pretty similarly to that Carolina Boston series and could end in probably four or five games here. Especially if Tampa's smart, you know, they're going to want to close it out at home, I imagine. I would have to agree with you there. Um, And I I think you're right. I think, you know, Panthers fans shouldn't be too upset in the situation they're in um, because the Tampa Bay Lightning are the former Stanley Cup champions. And you guys are hanging in there. Um, Another thing I think uh, to bring up about the comparison between the 2019 Bruins versus Carolina series in this series this year between the Lightning and Panthers, uh, the the power play. I know, I remember vivid, mm-hmm. uh, very very strongly that the reason why you guys were down and you guys weren't able to to get back into the games is because the Boston Bruins made you pay in the power play. And just looking at Game One here, I got the stats. Uh, the Lightning were three and four on the power play. <laughs> you're not going to win games where you're. You're the team opposite you is 75% on the power play every night, exactly. or at least that night. Um, the Panthers were one for three, so they were 33% on the power play. But that, that I think, I think it was actually a really good comparison because that series ended quickly. And part of it was because Boston was able to, to nail you on the power play and make, make you pay for it, uh, being a player down. Um, and, I wish I had watched that game because since that game, I feel like the Panthers haven't played as emotionally as they did. And um, I I watched game two and I just felt like the Panthers weren't necessarily trying to get as involved Mm -hmm. as the last game. They were still hitting um, their player, the the, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, and they were playing physical, but it just seemed like the emotion wasn't there for them as it was in game one. And, um, I think that kind of bit them in, in game two and mm-hmm. tonight with game three, I hope that they play with more intensity. They're getting Sam Bennett back in the lineup. He was suspended for a, a hit in game one. Um, so hopefully with him back in the lineup, they can find their, their rhythm again and, and push uh, the lightning here. Cause right now it's do or die for the Panthers. You got to win this game I agree. and it's in Tampa too. It's, it's not going to be easy. I agree, and I and I think if they if they go into Tampa, um, are they playing tonight or tomorrow? They are. They are the game that starts at six thirty, which is okay. You know, 
But if you know anything about the NHL, they, they start their games at around 650. 650. <laughs> yeah. So I mean they gotta they gotta have fun tonight. If I'm if I'm the Florida coach, I'm in that locker room and I'm saying, guys, have fun tonight. Um, you know, like you said, Sam Bennett's back in. Maybe they can find some chemistry from him. Um, but if they go out, if they have fun tonight, they'll have nothing to lose because um, you know, Panthers fans, it is a good, it was a good season. It was a very good run. Um, and if you're anything like Carolina was two years ago, there's, you know, more to come. So, so watch tonight's game, enjoy being in the playoffs. You know, I don't remember the last time they've been in the playoffs, but enjoy this team. Huberto and Barkov are extremely fun players to watch. Um, and I have high hopes for them. Yeah. And, and to add to that, I think, uh, you know, th- this Florida Panthers team is can can go far. It, you know, look at Carolina in 2019. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, granted. Right. But, you know, they, they still had some steps to make afterwards. But Florida, I think, is showing, you know, improvement. Uh, just look at last season. They lost in the qualifying round against the Islanders. And here they yeah. were. I mean, you know, no one expected them to really do well in that Central Division. Uh I don't. They held their own, man. They held. They, <laughs> they really held their own against Tampa, Carolina, you know. And I think uh, even even Dallas and, and even Chicago, you know, those teams necessarily didn't have great seasons, but they were tough, a tough competition. You know, th- those teams, that division wasn't really an easy division to to win in, and the Panthers did a hell of a lot to to do the best they could, and I think their future looks bright. It does. It definitely does. Um, moving on, the only other game I think I had from that weekend was Nashville and Carolina. Um, this series is going as scripted as well. Uh, Nashville, they put it out there. Uh, game one, I, I was worried about this series going into it. Um, I tell you, the only reason as a Carolina fan that I was worried about it is because of UC Soros. Um, and he's doing a lot for them. He really is, but it's just not enough right now. Uh, Nashville looked pretty decent for the first two periods in um, game one. And uh, yeah, so I wrote Nashville started strong as anyone in their position would. I think Forsberg got a pretty gritty goal early and that kind of had me unsettled. Uh Nedeljkovic shook that off pretty well for a rookie goalie, actually. Um, he was right back in it after that, and I think Stahl scored to tie it up pretty quickly, so it took a lot of that heat off him, which was good. Yeah. Uh, he gave. Oh, so I wrote down this note. He gave it. A, he gave a little to the fans, and I liked that after that goal. Uh, and, and I, I like Forsberg. <laughs> yeah. But he, um, it, you know. It was tough to watch that. I think, you know, scoring in the playoffs, I get it. You're going to want to celebrate a lot. Um, But don't do that in Carolina. That is not a place you want to uh, rile up the fans. That's not a place you want to. It was the first full house. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's it's like the only full house in the NHL right now that I can think of. Um, Besides them, I I think think they're going to be pretty close. I think they'll be... Fairly close to full house. In yeah, Nashville. they speculated that there was twelve thousand fans at game. Okay, one. I, don't, I don't know what uh, 
what the capacity is at the at PNC Arena. But um, yeah, when he gave it to the fans, I was like, you better watch it. You you that's that would be a silly I would save maybe if it's a game winning goal. But if it's just the first goal of the game and it's in the first period, uh, I think you you may have wanted to rethink how you're going to s- celebrate that goal. Yeah, definitely. It's um. It's way too early in the series, man. It's uh, Kuznetsov did it too early in Game Seven, and look how foolish he looked. Um, and that was in Washington. That was with his fans around. So I, that bird, what I'm talking about is that bird celebration that he has. I don't know how you feel about that one, but after he got smoked, I, I've never really enjoyed it. I think it's a pretty smug selly. Um, I think it. It actually belongs in in soccer more than it does in hockey, um, but especially in that moment in Game Seven when he did it after that third goal, it was like I think three one, and I don't remember if it was in the I think it was in the second or early in the third, and it was only a two goal game. And every time I watch that highlight reel, I I always skip to his celebration and then I skip to Jordan's tying goal, and it just gives me so much you know joy and so yeah maybe forsberg pulled the plug a little early on that because yeah. actually i wrote it down i mentioned earlier jordo but i think it was turbo turbo tied it up late later and he did it shortly after a play that made me think is turbo actually back from his injury or what um so i'm really glad that he was the one who stepped in to tie it up and uh maybe shake a little playoff rust off his yeah. uh, sides and, and, and then the last the last thing i was going to say is nashville hung in there for a good two periods um but early in the third nino knocks the doors in and it's cruise control for the canes after that yeah um to respond to the bird silly personally i i'm not i'm not really a guy who is critical of how people celebrate uh, uh-huh. their goals i know that we just mentioned we we're pretty critical of Forsberg, but that's just knowing your your surroundings and, and knowing and understanding um, where you're playing and, and the sort of atmosphere of the game. Um, but I don't have a problem with his bird, Celia. I think it's a pretty personal Celia to him in the sense that he plays for the Capitals and their mascots, an eagle, and, you know, it's, it's uh-huh. fun to see him okay. with a bird. You know, honestly, if, you know, they're in the NHL. It's the best league in the world. And if you want to celebrate a goal, by all means, do it. I, I'm not a big, you know, anti-celebrate, you know, celebration guy who's kind of like, hey, you got to dial it down or, or what. I mean, there's certainly been other wacky celebrations in the past, so sure. it, it doesn't bother me. Um, what I will say, uh, and then we'll go on to the next series is. If the Preds are going to find themselves a win in this series or to turn it around, that that power play has to be better. Um, looking yeah. at game one here, I, they were 0 for 4. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. They were 0 for 3. And it, yikes, it, it, you know, a little foreshadow into to game two. It it does not look good right now. And if you're, look, if you're a Predators <clears throat> fan and you want to find a positive in game three, because you're going to be in Nashville for for game three and four, um, it's going to be the power play. If they are going to win, they're going to have to get it going on the power play. Um, 
No, I completely agree, man. Uh, when you're the underdog in a series, you, you're right. You have to utilize that power play. It's got to be your best friend at that point um, because, you know, that's when the big dog is down a man and that's when you can kind of manipulate things on the ice out there and, and maybe start, you know, maybe gen- the playoffs are all about generating momentum. And you're right. You can get a lot of momentum from special teams. And with how lackluster their power play has been, uh, you mentioned them being 0-3, I think, uh, in Game 1, which puts them at 0-10 on the power play for the series thus far. Um, no scoring from the power play. And and when Carolina has a, has a, has a PK that can sometimes put together pretty decent offensive chances... Um, you're right. You got to be scoring on those power plays. They they need to start doing that. And if they can do it at home, all the better for them because uh, that'll just generate even more momentum. So yeah. you're right. We'll see. We'll see what they do. But yeah, I think that first play, that first power play goal, could be something to watch for for Nashville. Yeah. Because it's 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 been a relatively bad power play for some seasons now which sh- might even shock people because Duchesne's on the, you know, Duchesne's on the Predators. You have Johansson on the Predators, Roman Yossi. I mean, they're Yossi, big game yeah. players and they're just not producing. Um, yeah. And I-, I think that if they can find their rhythm in game three at home, with the crowd on their side, they, they could likely flip the series because it's, it's going to take that to, to get the Predators into this series. Yeah, they, yeah, they're definitely going to want to, you know, utopian world, they obviously want to come out with two wins at home. But definitely just finding that first win, finding that first power play goal, whatever it is, um, could do wonders for them, man. Because, yeah, it is not. I mean, it's I think we were texting the other night and I was I made the comment at one point. It almost feels like Carolina's more confident on the penalty kill than they are on five on five in their own zone. No, they um, are. I mean, you you go to, we'll go to game two when we review that. And it's a big story coming out of game two. Is yeah. Um, I think I read something today that the Carolina Hurricanes had more scoring chances down a man in game two than the Predators had up a man. Yeah. And you, I, I believe you, that you can't win like that. Um, it's tough. It's tough because, you know, they were saying the other day, I think during game one, they mentioned it. Carolina was one of two teams that had both special teams in the top five in the league. And they are the only team with a top three in both of those categories. So you're going up, you know, Goliath here. You're going up against Goliath here, but it is the playoffs. Anything can happen. And all it takes is one to turn your special teams around. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But I'll let you move on. Yeah, I was going to say, going to game two of the Boston-Washington series, this is the first game I got to sit down and watch uh, from start to finish. Um, It was a really good game. Uh, I thought that this showed how Boston and Washington are pretty evenly matched. And I think it's probably one of the more – evenly matched series uh, of these playoffs so far um, because the first three games have gone to overtime, one of which going to double overtime. So these teams really uh, seem to play well against one another and, and they match each other's energy. Uh, the, the note I wanted to bring up, and I, we texted 
during the game about this was uh, specifically the officiating. And um, there was a, there was a lot of scrums in this game. You know, these teams have played uh, throughout the regular season and they've met a lot of times before this series. So I think they played nine games in the regular season and then they're going to play seven here. So it's 16 games you're seeing these guys. At this point, I think you're pretty tired of seeing the same faces over and over again. And it was showing <laughs> in this game. And uh, specifically, there was a scrum behind the net. Um, and it was Marshan and Mantha. And, you know, they were going at it one another. But Mantha stops. Mantha kind of just, he's just holding on to Marshan. He's looking the other direction. I forget if he was trying to talk to the referee or just trying to ignore what Marshan was saying. And Marshan, you know, he's lifting up his stick and he hits him in his helmet. Mantha has no response and he does it again. And, you know, Mantha does nothing. And then he does it a third time. And then you see on the replay, the referee right next to him just points at both of them and tells him to go to the box. <laughs> and um, this was a situation to me where I don't know how the Capitals didn't come out of a power play or didn't come out of that with a power play. Um, I'm fine if you wanted to send both guys in. You're sending the message, hey, this this crap is not going to be allowed. You know, if you want these scrums uh, after the whistles, you're, we're just going to put you both in the box. I'm fine mm -hmm. with that. Get the message you're trying to send. But why doesn't Marshan get an extra two minutes for high sticking? You know, it's not like he clipped uh, Mantha and it made him bleed. It's not like, you know, it was intended to harm mantha but it you can clearly tell it was on purpose you know there right. was an intent to get his stick up in his face and i just don't know why mantha's going to the box and you know they're not getting a power play that to me was was um indicative of of a chance where you could have as a referee said hey uh you know i'm tired of you two guys after the whistle you'll both go but martian you're getting gonna get an extra two for that stick play you had right and then there was another uh, instance of it. It was Smith and Jensen. They were uh, fighting at the other end of the ice. I forget who brought the puck up. I think it was the Bruins, and they entered the capital zone. And then you heard the commentator say, oh, we got Jensen and, and Smith behind the play. And, uh, you know, I think Jensen fell, and then so did Craig Smith. And on, as they're on the ice, you know, as they're trying to get up, they're entangled, so they start, you know, punching each other and kind yeah. of hit another... Um, Side and it stuff. just seemed to me that Smith was more, again, he was more into the, to the fight, just like with Martian and, and Mantha. The aggressor, because, maybe? Yeah, the aggressor. Um, cause if you fight with somebody, uh, you can get an extra two for being the instigator for the one starting the fight. Right. And, um, not that you could give this in, uh, this specific scenario, but I just felt like Smith was more involved more you know being at the agitator like you said with jensen and jensen was kind of trying to move on uh, and again it was just they both sent him to the box which i get um but i just don't know why smith doesn't go uh to for the extra two you know whether it be roughing or you know uh instigating whatever. instigating whatever you got to find an extra two because uh, there was a point I heard in somebody saying that when you send both guys to the box, you're not necessarily going to stop the little scrums behind the, beyond the whistle. Because if you know that both players tick are for go, tack. Yeah, it's tit for tat. It's like, you go, I'll go. Fair enough. But if you send one guy to the box 
and the other guy gets to go to his bench, then you're kind of sending the message like, okay, those, those fights after the whistle, they're not sending two guys to the box. They're sending one. And you don't want to be the one to get involved because you don't want to take the even strength uh, penalty with them. You don't want to be the, the second guy to go in. <laughs> Man, it's, uh, it's just kind of dawned on me here, but... You know, the refs and players' safety really just want Washington to deal with everything on their own, man. Here's the thing, you know, when those scrums are happening, I would be hard-pressed to find a ref who, unless it's blatant, unless something blatant is happening or, um, as you mentioned, like someone's, you know, lip or cheek is getting cut from a high stick or something, unless it's like that, when you're calling those guys tit for tat like that during a scrum, you, you almost want to kind of just lump almost all of it together because it is the playoffs. Don't forget. And I could just see to me, that seems pretty controversial to, to constantly be handing out, uh, you know, matching penalties and, you know, Boston continues to just get this extra thing on the side, this extra bill of sale, if you will. Um, so to me, the way that the that they're calling those scrums in the Washington Boston series, judging from how you've explained those, is okay. Um, you know, Washington, you're you're not cashing in on everything you're being allowed. You know, send you know where's Tom Wilson? Send Tom Wilson out there. Send um, or is he injured? Is he still doing that? No, Tom Wilson, he's back. Okay, so, you know, those guys that are involved in those scrums, start telling them to be a little bit more involved. If, if it's only going to be a one-for-one call and Boston's not going to be getting anything extra for all the extracurriculars that they're doing, then you should be allotted the same and, you know, you should test your waters, I would say. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, the frustration just came with me. And just in those two scenarios, I'm not saying, like, I keep seeing this every game. It's just I felt I see. like... The stick up in Mantha's face, I think he could have gone for an extra two. Um, it's it's you know, tough, dude. I mean, just refing across the league this postseason is is tough. It's something that, especially given the regular season, how it was handled, I try not to just – I try not to let any calls phase me because it's to the point where sometimes I don't even know why calls are made. And when you can't even answer that question, like if you can't even say, oh, okay, I guess I see that call there. I guess I can see that in real speed. You know, when you don't feel that way, you just have to let that go. It is what it is. And, um, you know, teams that can just embrace that and just focus on their special teams after a bad call either way, because it's a, it's a seven game series. Don't forget. And likely, Missed calls and calls are going to end up evening out. They almost always do, um, especially in the playoffs because we have the same refs. So even though it is questionable refing from series to series, at least it is consistent from series to series. Um, yeah. But I would like to see a lot more. Uh, oh, I remember you were saying that you were getting aggravated with just the four on fours, time in, time out. I didn't. I thought you were specifically upset about like the no call there yeah no 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 the, the four on fours were, were kind of frustrating me 
Yeah, um, I don't like seeing four on fours like that either. Yeah, there's been a just, number of them in, in our series and that series, yeah. actually. Um, but anyway, uh, Taylor Hall late in the game, they, the Bruins are down one. Mm. And by the way, uh, I thought the Capitals had a really good third period in that game, and I really thought that they were going to close that game. Me out. too. Me um, too, man. Taylor Hall, he, he found a way. Um, it was a very questionable um, goal in the sense that maybe you could have challenged for uh, goaltender interference and see how, you know, throw the dice at the league and see, you know, could I possibly get a call here? <laughs> Run the roulette table. <laughs> yeah, you know, just spin that table and see what happens <laughs> or spin the wheel and see what happens. Um and as it turns out, Peter Laviolette doesn't challenge. I don't necessarily blame him. I think there was two thirty-four left in the third, so yeah, if you, you were to challenge that, and then it it doesn't that's very risky. get reversed, then it's a power play for the Bruins late, and uh, you just wouldn't want to give him that. I think that's a point where if you're a coach, you got to weigh how do I feel about my team in overtime versus that that call, you know. And honestly, with a team with Ovechkin that has never scored an overtime goal. Hindsight 2020, maybe they should have challenged it. You never know. Yeah, what you, could <laughs> you could make the case. Um, but anyway, we go to overtime, and it's ended very quickly with Marshan getting the uh, beautiful yep. feed from Chris. Like, what a... Uh, was it quick? I thought it was two. No, it was 39 seconds in, I'm pretty sure. Dang. Let me just check. I'm pretty sure... Mar- oh, game was... three went to overtimes. Yeah, game three. I forgot. They're a... They play on the same day yeah. as us, but they're ahead a game. Marchand, 39 seconds in from Grizzly. Yeah, wow. It was it was a great game to watch. It was upsetting to see the way it ended because I thought Anderson was playing great, even though he let in four. Um, for a guy who's 39, turning 40 tomorrow, you know, and hasn't played it many games in the last two seasons, you know, I, I think he had a pretty hell of a game yesterday. Um, I wrote, uh, for that game, I wrote, Boston reminded us that they are the official city of clutch. Hall finally paying off for a team that took a chance on him, and Marshawn took them home in overtime. Yeah, no. Um, and, and the good news about the Bruins fan, you know, if you're looking at game two, Marshan, though he gets on the scoreboard, and so does Bergeron and Pasternak, it's not, you know, it, it was a 4-3 game, but it's not like there was two goals from Pasternak and a goal from Marshan to take up three out of the four goals they had. Right. Uh, to Brusque, who's been stepping it up in the playoffs, which uh, I know a lot of Bruins fans might be shocked at this, but also very happy because they weren't seeing this in the regular season. They got to love to see him on the on the score sheet. And, you know, we mentioned again, Taylor Hall just being very clutch for the for the Bruins so far. It it uh, contributed to their success in that game. Here's a here's one thing, actually. Bruins fans. If you know me, reach out to me. Does Chara still look like that defenseman that you want to keep around? <laughs> I I hope that him being on another team and him playing in a series against Boston is opening play, uh, fans' eyes because I think I th- I just think Chara has had has been held in high high esteem for just far too long. And maybe seeing him in a different jersey uh, changes that. So reach out to me if it has. Even if it hasn't, reach out to me. No, I would agree with you there. The Colorado-St. Louis game. um, 
it's I, I was I was I'm in an NHL chat on Instagram with a couple of just random people that got together and wanted to make one. And after game two yesterday, I said, this is the least intriguing series. And it's just because the Avalanche are dominating the Blues. And it's not to say that I don't enjoy watching these this series specifically. I actually really enjoy watching Colorado and St. Louis because they're two teams I don't necessarily watch in the regular season since they're typically in the Western Conference and their games are later. But uh, the, the reason why I like the uh, playoffs so much is because you get to see these teams play. And um, right off the bat, it just seemed like the St. Louis Blues couldn't handle the McKinnon, Rantanen, or shall I say, Mika Rantanen, as Pierre <laughs> likes to say and not <laughs> stop saying. Um, but Ma- Mika Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon, and Gabriel Landeskog, those three have been a headache for the Blues so far in just the first two games. Yeah. Yeah, that is a that is a very lopsided series. Um, that series is actually the, both of those teams are built both like the teams in the Carolina Nashville series, um, and just like Nashville, St. Louis is being held together by their goalie. I think he's really the only thing that's keeping them around for whatever amount of time they are around in each game. Um, but yeah, those are the later games and, uh, I tend to fall asleep watching that game and it's, it's almost, I almost let myself fall asleep at that point because you see this game is not <laughs> someone, you know, the Landis Cog and McKinnon are going to have to get injured to get, to get anything to change in this game. Right. Exactly. Um, we'll I mean, see. you saw the fight in between. Uh, Braden Shen and, and Gabriel Landeskog, and I think that that was just a game changer right there, and it happened very early in the first period. Um, I think Shen dropped two hits that you know Landeskog didn't appreciate. Yes, he slew. I think he slew footed him. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, said it was actually nice. It was uh, I texted you when that happened. That was the that was me. I think I I wrote like a meme format and it was like uh uh nhl refs or nhl player safety you know police yourselves <laughs> and mckinnon okay bet <laughs> he just yeah landis hauls cog. off hauls, landis oh landis cog, cog thank you yeah <laughs> landis cog like he just hauls off on shen i mean shen did, that and, was one of those fights where it's just it's lopsided to start you know yeah and the funny thing was, is I, re- I remember mentioning to you after that fight, I feel like Gabriel Landis-Cog is not an underrated captain, but just a, a captain you don't necessarily talk about because you have your Sidney Crosby's, you have your Connor McDavid's, you know, you have your, your Jack Eichel's, Eichel's you, yeah. know, you, have, <laughs> you have those big name players that are not only the captain, but also happen to be the franchise players. And Gabriel Landis-Cog, to me, isn't their franchise player. I think that's obvious in McKinnon, uh, but it's not to say Gabriel Landeskog is worse than McKinnon. Um, but, you know, Gabriel Landeskog, I feel like, is really underappreciated as a captain. I feel like that's a guy who, no matter what, is going to stick up for a teammate, whether his teammate's in the wrong or whether his teammate is, you know, being the, the pest and mm-hmm. uh, suddenly someone drops the gloves or suddenly someone, you know, hits that player from behind or whatever the case may be, he's sticking up for him. And he'll be there. Yeah. And, and he'll be there. And then on top of that, um, 
Bennington, I know that in our first episode, I talked about how he had a pretty disappointing season. Uh, he seemed to take that personally, the Michael Jordan meme, and I took that personally because he had a hell of a game. Yeah. And he's had a hell of a games in both game one and two. It's just the Blues can't give him a, a, a goal support. And then on top of that, before we move on to uh, to the next game, um, the Blues are without Vince Dunn, and they are without their top scorer, David Perron. And I'd just like to say, even if I even if they were in the lineup, I don't know if the outcome would have been different. Mm-hmm. The outcomes would have been different from game one mm-hmm. too. I agree. They're they're definitely up against it. Um, they've got a huge mountain to climb if they want to move on. Um, but we'll see, man. Playoff hockey, you, you never never know until the series. Until that final goal horn blows, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, there are. I I'm mentioning, you know, with Florida and, and Tampa. Florida's down 0-2 in the series, but I can think of I think two series where a team went down 0-2, and then they came in and come. They came back and won, and that was the Capitals against the Jackets in 2018 when they won the Cup, and then I think you guys against the Capitals in 2019. Yes. Both teams were down 0-2 in their series, and uh, they came back and won it. So, again, it's not over till it's over, but, you know, I feel like this series, if the Blues can't find their game and if, if Bennington is playing lights out and he's just not getting goal support, this can be a pretty quick series. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, as they always say, you're not in trouble until you've lost at home. Uh, and that that is how our series played out that we went down 2-0 on. We, we went back home and won both those games out. Uh, so, yeah, this, this game three and this game four for St. Louis are extremely critical. Uh, they're both must-win games. I don't think they're necessarily both must-win games for Nashville. I think if Nashville can come out with just one of them, and like I said, if it's game three and they're just having fun, I think that'll dovetail into some good results for Nashville if it's just one. But I definitely think St. Louis doesn't want to return to to Columbus or to um, Colorado. No. Down, you know, on, no. Not up against the ropes, basically do or die, you know, yeah. unless it's game seven. Right. Um, the Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, game two, this is one I saw. Um, it's Varlamov versus Jari. Uh, Varlamov was a scratch in game one, I believe, just due to an injury. Of course, it's undisclosed. It's the NHL, they never say. Um, <laughs> because Sorokin, I think, got the start. Yeah, Sorokin got the start for them in game one. And this was a game that just had a bad start. Varlamov gave up a very, call it squeaky, call it greasy, call Weak. it whatever you want. It was It's a bad goal to give up. Um, but it didn't really, it didn't really uh, affect the Islanders. I thought that they, they were slow to start. Uh, they were being outshot pretty badly in that first period, but they were able to rebound and and go into intermission, just being down one, um, which was surprising because it felt Marlamov specifically too, because. After a weak goal like that, you definitely want your goalie to, to snap out of it fast. So I, I think he, he in large, was the reason that they didn't end up a little bit more ugly after that first period. But yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, 
I, I wrote down, I don't know at what point in the first period, but I, I just have a note here that says Isles need to wake up. You know, they see uh-huh. like another team uh, that just wasn't ready to play, and the Pittsburgh Penguins were taking advantage of that. Um, and then, unfortunately, Carter scores. And what an addition for the Pittsburgh Penguins, Jeff Carter, uh, not only producing for them in the postseason, but produced for them once uh, they got him. And he's been a hell of an addition for the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. And uh, if they're going to find success in the playoffs, it's going to be with him because what a performer he is in the playoffs. Yeah, he's tried and true in the playoffs, man. Um, It was actually really exciting to see see him scoring in the other day uh because i recently i don't know if we mentioned it or if i mentioned it in the first episode but la was a little bit of a has a little bit been a disappointment for me each season it's um it's been quite a while since they've been around in the playoffs and you know you starting i at least have start been starting to forget about all those guys from that that trip that they made, you know, Martinez and Carter and Kopitar and, you know, Dowdy. I mean, Williams, Williams. Yeah. yeah. Justin Williams was on that team. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's definitely nice to see Jeff Carter having that success. I'm not too concerned for, for the level of intensity that New York brought to game two. Um, they won game one, uh, in Pittsburgh, and so they did what they needed to do. They reestablished their home ice advantage or established new home ice advantage. Um, right, and they're going game three and four will obviously be in New York, so right. they're going one one to uh, New York, which it, it, it's very difficult when you, if you are the road team in the first two games, and you have to and you go back to, to home in game three and four, it's great to see a series tied at one-to-one going into into your home arena in games three and four because I, I think that it, it really puts a lot of confidence in the team um, because your fans are going to be in it and their fans are going to be behind you. Mm-hmm. And I, I would agree. It's not like I'm concerned about game two. It's just um, that fluky goal that was led in by Varlamov and then Jeff Carter getting on the board. It just kind of was um, almost like a fortune that it just wasn't going to go the Islanders' way in that game. I see. But again, they, they still won game one, and you know I wasn't expecting them to go up 2 nothing in the series, um, winning both games in Pittsburgh. So I think yeah. that if you're an Islanders fan, you should be very happy with the way the series is right now, especially because you're at home. And uh, you know going forward, if you can win both games here and then in game five you go back, and you're up 3-1 in the series, it's pretty good cushion because even if you were to work, lose in game five, again, you're going back home in game six. And a Barry Trotz team up in a series, very rarely, I feel, uh, gives it up or chokes, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, good points, good points. I had a thought. I, I forgot about it, though. We can, we can move on. If you remember it, you can always... Uh, oh. There you go. Yeah, I got, <laughs> yeah. Um, I got. I was gonna say, uh, here's what here's what New York probably wants to do: keep Jeff Carter off the stat sheet, Game Three. Uh, I think that'll suffocate, you know, any kind of um, uh, rhythm or mojo that that 
that guy might have uh, engaged with. So keep him off the stat sheet game three, and you should probably be able to to maintain decent control of this series. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you can keep Crosby off. I don't know if he got a point in the games. I'm sure he did. He's Crosby. I think he did. There was four, yeah. three goals in that first yeah. game. And Mal- Malkin's out with injury too. So Yeah, Crosby's got a goal. So yeah, keep, and Crosby's got a goal and Carter has a, an assist from that game. So yeah, keep those two guys quiet and uh, that series should take care of itself for New York, I would imagine. Yeah. And then going into game two with Tampa and Florida, we hinted at it before, so I don't really want to talk too much about it. Okay. Um, but it was Drieger versus Vassy, which um, I thought was interesting by Joel Quinville to replace Bobrovsky with Drieger. Um, I didn't think Drieger had a bad game. And my first note I took down was it's important for Florida to get the first goal. And uh, unfortunately, they didn't get the first goal. Um, the first goal was, uh, I think, by Stamkos or Kalorn. Either or. It was a very, very phenomenal passing play between the two. And uh, it, it was, I think, important for Florida to get that first goal. Get the crowd in it. Get them behind you. And build momentum early. So that way you can continue with it. Uh, they didn't. Then they even find themselves down 2 nothing in the uh, game, in game two. And... Uh, Florida would eventually get a goal, but they just weren't able to find their rhythm, like we said. I just felt like, um, I think it was Mar- Marchman, Marchman, I think is his name. Marchment. Yeah, let me just... And yes, it was Stamkos from Kalorn and Sorelli. Yeah. The first it, was, it was a beautiful passing play, if you want to take a look at... Um, yeah. I think that was a two-on-one. If you want to look at how a, a two-on-one should be played if you're a forward, watch that clip because they did not have a lot of space. And I think that they it was a turnover in their own zone, and they picked the puck up at the top of the circle. And by the time they're below the hash marks, below the dots, it's already in the back of the net. It's beautiful to see. And it, looking back at it now, it was a, a Marchman. But um, just a lack of an answer from the Panthers when they went down 2 nothing. Just, yeah, I think really just sealed the deal for this game. They, they did get the answer from Marchment, but they just couldn't seem to gather anything after that. Yeah, that that was the thing. Once Marchment scored, it was this is where it felt very Carolina Boston 2019 to me. Specifically, Game Three, um, we were it's after that goal. Like Florida was like okay. You know, it's we cut the deficit in half. Let's lay it on them. And they, you know, rev their engine. Everybody put their foot to the floor. And Tampa just kind of withstood. You know, like Florida was up against them and they're pushing on their walls. And, and Tampa was just holding firm and playing their game consistently. And they didn't budge. And it just wasn't enough for Florida to overcome. And you can, you can almost see it when they, you know, peek over that crest of, of that. Okay. They've really spent everything. They're just falling off. Now you could kind of see that. I think toward the end of that second game, um, they, they were getting their chances. They just couldn't bury them. Exactly. It was killer for them. 
Exactly. That, and that's why that is why I was saying, I think it's still, you don't have to feel too bad as a Florida fan because you guys are right there. You just had a, you had a tough guy in the first round. If it was, if it was Carolina, if it was Nashville, even, I think they would have done a little bit better uh, in game one and two, but we'll see, you know, another, that's another one that is, yeah. it's still a best of seven and Tampa yeah. still needs two more. So for tonight's game, uh, Keith Yandel is a healthy scratch for the um, really Panthers. So I don't know who's going to uh, fit in there. I don't know if Strawman's going to fit in there because I think. Well, do they? Are they a team that runs seven D? They might just in run that six. game. They did in game two. They did, but it was because Sam Bennett was out that they were playing eleven. Okay. Seven defensemen. Well, there's that might be the trade off. They might just not play with seven now. I bet. Right. It's but, a full roster. But I think Strawman was a healthy scratch either in game one or two. Ooh. Made me think that if Yandel's a healthy scratch in this game. Strelman's probably the one to slot in his place because I don't know who else they'd have in the depth charts to to put to put in there. Well, I guess we'll find out. It's six fifty. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, moving on to the Wild and Golden Knights game. This uh, was just a very uh, another good game by Flurry. I mean, um, you and I can't speak to how much we love watching Flurry play, and, and you and me. For the amount of times we've complimented this guy, we, it, it just feels like it's still not enough to show people how good he is. Um, he is just an unbelievable goaltender uh, because in that first period, he was getting hammered hard. Right. And he was making highlight save after highlight save. And the Wild were really pushing it on the uh, Golden Knights to the point where it was like, you know, if something doesn't change here, the, the Minnesota might take away this game or might uh, take over this game. Yeah, that series is um, – that's really – I think that was an undersold series. Uh, I saw I saw a statistic from one of the NHL Instagram accounts, one of the meme accounts, saying I think Minnesota is lifetime 15-2-2 against Vegas. Uh, so, yeah, they're definitely going to – they're definitely going to put up a, a little bit more of a fight than I think a lot of us anticipated. Certainly me. I think you were going to interject maybe disagreeing, but. No, I, I would. They handled Vegas this season 5-1-2. and two. Um, So okay. this is a team that's definitely, that definitely knows how to play against the Golden Knights. Um, but I think in last week's episode when we previewed this, or we actually weren't able to preview it, but. Um, just talking about the series and looking at the matchup, Talbot and, and Flurry are really good goalies. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, the game changer was going to be the goalie. It was just, um, there's a term in the hockey uh, community. I don't know if you've ever heard this. It's called being goalied or getting goalied. And that basically <laughs> just means that your goalie could have a phenomenal night. It's just the other end. That goalie Same is that thing. much better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he did it better, which sucks. Whoever knows, whoever can do it longer. That's the problem. That too, and and I feel like I don't know, <laughs> I don't know with Talbot and Flurry, uh, they're both I think older guys, so it's not like uh, it's not like this is Vasilevsky versus Flurry where it's a very young mm-hmm. guy against a, a veteran goaltender. They're two veteran goaltenders. Yeah, and uh, I I think you're right. I, I think that it's this is just going to be who can do it longer, and I I'd have to give the edge to Flurry. You gotta. 
we don't know how Talbot's going to do. So far, he's been pretty great. Yeah, and who knows what the forwards from Minnesota can do too? Because if they get going, if either team's forwards get going, then then it does eliminate that that goalie versus goalie uh, thing. It's almost like a goalie's duel, like a pitcher's duel from baseball, I guess. To borrow a phrase, yeah. Um, I know. I <laughs> I don't know at what point in the game this was. I think this was during the second period. I just jotted down. Seems like another zero zero overtime game. Because both goalies were playing out of their minds. Mm-hmm. And then I think shortly after that, Minnesota got the lead. And then, uh, you know, this is what you want to see in the playoffs, by the way. Dumba scores, uh, and it, it was, I think, exactly what Minnesota needed because they were hammering Flurry and just couldn't get one past him. And at that point, you know, you might start saying to yourself, is frustrating going to set in for the Minnesota Wild? Because... Anytime you're up against a goaltender and you're pounding him with shots and nothing's going in, obviously frustration is going to start being a factor. Uh, but when Dumba scored, I thought, now that now that the frustration is probably going to relieve itself because Wilder, like, we got our goal, there we go, we know what to build on. I agree. But this is what you want to see no matter who your team is. Vegas responds, I think, immediately. 18 sec- yeah, 18 seconds after. And... um. Uh, it was a very well placed shot by Jonathan Marcheseau, who is just, you know, I didn't. A, a lot of this Vegas team is just like figuring out who came from what team, and for the <laughs> longest time, I didn't even know where Marcheseau came from. I knew he wasn't a draft pick of them. I knew he was in the league beforehand, but it's just like I don't know where he came from, and I believe. Is it, I was going to take a guess. guess. I'll yeah, take you one guess. guess. Go ahead. Was it Montreal? No. No, okay. Who was it? It was Florida. They got both oh, yeah. Riley Smith in Florida. <laughs> uh, yeah, they both got Riley Smith and Jonathan Marshall from Florida. I forget It must have been why. to cover somebody. It yeah. might have been to cover somebody in the draft. Yeah, it, it had to have been... Uh, it had Longo? to have been the big names. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Dude, if they would cover, I'm going to look that up, yeah. Yeah, if you want to look it up, go ahead. Um, and then, you know, the response was great. And um, this is this is also something that's going to play in effect. Golden Knights have a pretty good advantage over a lot of other teams because they have a player on each of these teams. And um, this specifically kicked in in this game with Alex Tuck. He's a former Minnesota Wild. And uh, I believe after game one, he said that, you know, he basically didn't want to get revenge for uh, the Minnesota Wild, but he just said, you know, I want to show them, you know, where I'm at and how I'm doing on my new team. And uh, he scored two that game and uh, he scored the game winner specifically and then scored later in the third to really put the game away for Vegas and put a dagger in Minnesota Wild. And uh, it was it was great to see from Alex Tuck, a former Wild himself. You know, it, it's got to feel good as those players to score against your former team who kind of just saw you as a castaway and didn't decide to protect you. But, you know, like we said, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's not like you can guess these guys are going to turn into, you know, superstars on their new team. So, actually, I just Googled it, and Marsha So was actually selected uh, from the expansion draft. Ah, okay. but, gotcha. But there's, here's, an inter- here's an interesting piece. Reimer was the protected goalie for Florida that year. Wow. James Reimer. So Luongo yeah. saying it was available. 
I imagine so, unless there was a, yeah. I, I didn't find if there was a trade to yeah. protect him, but it, it wouldn't have involved Marsha. So, okay. I know Riley Smith, I thought was, um, it would, and maybe he didn't come from Florida. Maybe he came from Dallas. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, overall, that it's a good series to watch so far. I think that that's been a a very great series to watch. And Vegas hasn't necessarily had that crowd factor that they they used to. Um, they only won one game in uh, Vegas, and it uh, it was a game of just the goalie showdown. Nothing you could do there. Uh, moving on to next game, we had Carolina versus Nashville, and. Uh, Again, we hinted at this, so I don't know if you really want to add anything else. I'll just say that uh, to the Florida Panther fans out there, welcome to the Alex Nedeljkovic show. <laughs> it's uh, It's been a hell it's, of it's, a performance. Uh, it's Nedeljkovic and the special teams. The, yeah. the That girl, uh, that female commentator for the national broadcast, AJ. Her last name starts with an M, yeah. But she made the joke at the end of the game when they were announcing the three stars that, uh, well, obviously Nadelkovich was number one, but she was saying you could easily make the argument for the PK unit to <laughs> to be a star. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It, I was I was reserved in uh, my expectations for this series, and I'm glad that I was. Um, but this this series is very well handled by Carolina thus far, yeah. and I hope it continues. And if Nedeljkovic, I mean, he's he's a goalie that like lives and he loves it when it's chaotic in front of him. It's it's nerve wracking as a fan, but he just seems to thrive when there's all this traffic going on, when there's all this side to side that he's dealing with. He, dealing with his own guys in, in his crease or even other players at the same time in his crease. To me, he just, for some reason, it's like those chaotic scenes happen and, you know, my heart has stopped for a full five seconds and then the players disperse and he just kind of steps out, standing straight up, fully confident, looking around who's ever shoulder in front of him. And he, and he, he'll snare something that, you know, come in, they'll, they'll try and get a puck on quick after all that chaos. And it's like, it's, it's he just has full visibility after all that chaos. It's, it's nuts. Um, yeah. He's, it's very, he's a hell very of a, exciting to, he, to he's see. a hell of a performer. Yeah. And, I know uh, you're pretty big on him for his, <laughs> for yeah, uh, he, um, what he could do. <laughs> I'm big on him. Cause obviously Andy hinted at the first episode. I'm a big American born uh, guy, you know, being a obviously someone from the United States, I'm I'm proud to be an American. So it's always nice to see um, NHL players who are, uh, you know, from the states performing well. Um, so when Andre Nedeljkovic showed up on Carolina, I'm like Nedeljkovic. Let's see, is he Czech? Is he, you know, uh, Russian? Is he, you know, Eastern European? And then I realized yes. he's just outside of Columbus. And I'm like, hold on, run that back. You said he's from Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> and um, I guess he's from Parma. Parma, yeah. Parma, Ohio. I don't know exactly where that's located, but I, I think it's, a, I could be wrong, but I feel like it's just outside of Columbus. Um, yeah, the only fucking... other thing. Go ahead. 
The only other thing I wanted to add was don't sweep the predators. <laughs> I say this because in 2019, we had that really weird um, sweep, 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 sweep. Yeah. So if <laughs> the you don't sweeper know, is swept. The sweeper is swept. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know, in 2019, it started off. It was the Islanders who started the curse. They swept the Florida, or they swept the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Penguins yeah. Then it was Carolina versus the Islanders, and the Carolina Hurricanes swept the Islanders. And then in the Eastern Conference Final, the Bruins swept the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. And then the Bruins would go on to lose in the Stanley Cup Finals. Of course, it wasn't in four games, but it was like a curse, you could say, the sweeping curse, where if you swept mm -hmm. the team that's, you know, swept somebody else, you were going to, you were cursed. And uh, it, it, it played itself out. And uh, I had to write that because I'm just like, you know, I'm seeing the same Carolina team handle a, a team very well, like they did with the Islanders. And uh, I think that they've even handled the Predators better than they handled the Islanders. I felt like the Islanders yeah. kind of gave up, or not kind of gave up, but kind of gave more to you guys than the Predators. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like it's like, ah, you know, I'm glad that the that the Hurricanes are, are showing up, but, man, I don't want to see them get swept, or I don't want to see them, you know, out in the second round. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I feel that. I, I uh yeah, I mean, I'd love for them to sweep Florida. I'd love for them to win it in five at home. Um, but, yeah, bottom line is you got to win the series. And if you have to do it in four, you have to do it in four. So it it would be nerve-wracking, though, all that time waiting for the second round to start. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I agree. One thing, one last thing I want to mention about the series is I'm really excited about this Howla uh, beef. Ooh. That's yes, with nature. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So no, it's very interesting to watch. Did yeah. that originate in game one? Because I don't remember. I think he scored. So the one. last two games, the last two games of the season, started a lot of the the beefs that you're seeing. I don't know if his was one of them specifically because I wasn't the second to last game of the season. I was like half tuned into, and then I I think the last game of the season I just didn't watch for some reason. Gotcha. But I do know that a lot of animosity was generated from those last two games of the season because yeah. Nashville was really like, I don't think we were really playing a full 100%. I mean, in the last game, Svechnikov was a healthy scratch. Uh, yeah. And Nashville was really trying to give it to us. And, and we have big guys who can step in when that happens. So it wasn't like we were getting tossed around, but the attitude from Carolina was just like, okay, you know, we'll see you in the playoffs. And mm -hmm. uh, Nashville was like, yeah, yeah, well, this is, you know, kind of like the playoffs, so we're going to get it going now. And it hasn't paid off yet for them, but we'll see. We are going into Nashville, and that is where I am uh, concerned. Yeah, yeah, because they could win both there. You guys both are really good home teams, so it could change yeah. there. Uh, game three of Washington and Boston – we kind of hinted at it again. Um, this just seemed like a game the Capitals just weren't ready to play. Um, Sansonoff, I think, had a great game, though. Um, I think that the the Capitals goaltenders have had great games. It's just the team in front of them is not there. You know, it's almost reminiscent of the Blues, where Bennington's ready to play, but the team in front of them just looks real sloppy, looks real disconnected. And um, that's kind of how this, the way that this game 
went. Um, to me, the first period, to go back to officiating, there were six penalties called in the first period. And looking at some of these games, uh, box scores, for example, the uh, Wild Golden Knights game, uh, that game two, had three penalties throughout the whole game. And this game, just in the first period, had six penalties, which I think goes back to what we were saying. You know, these teams have seen each other a lot. They're very familiar with one another. And at this point, they're very tired of one another. So I think that that was kind of uh, indicative here. But I just felt like there were some calls that just seemed like the referees were trying to say right from the get-go, hey, this is going to be a tight game if you guys want to pull anything you're going to the box. And I felt like some of those calls could have been called back. The ones I agreed mm-hmm. with was obviously the uh, too many men on the ice by the Bruins. The <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Game. Yeah, the play a game by Carlson. Uh, I don't know what was Richie. I don't know what Richie was thinking on that play. Hall was not. He didn't even have his body, his body language. He's not even turning to the bench. He's going straight into the defensive zone. And uh, Nick Richie just jumps right on. Yeah. Um. <laughs> This one to me, like I said, uh, it was just a slow game. It just felt like both teams were kind of struggling. Um, and eventually, uh, the, the Caps were able to kill on five on three, which I think was huge for them. It's it, No matter what the score is, no matter how early in the game is, how late it is, if you kill a five on three, it's a huge momentum swing. And like I'm saying, and we mentioned it earlier, it just doesn't seem like the Caps are really in it. And I've been hearing yeah. this around a lot of people I listen to, and, and it, it stems from the beginning of the season when I think Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, Samsonov, and Orlov, I think those were the four guys involved, were caught in, the, in their hotels not wearing masks and not social distancing. And, you know, obviously they were doing it in their own room. They were in their own room not having a mask on and not social distancing. But obviously the NHL set protocols and set guidelines and they broke those said guidelines and protocols. So they suspended those players, I think. And even some of them went into uh, uh, COVID protocols in the sense that they had a uh-huh. quarantine. Yeah. And from that point on, it just felt like the Capitals weren't really in this season. They weren't, you know, going 100 percent. They almost won this division, uh, but it slipped down towards the uh, last couple of games and. Overall, I've I've just been disappointed in the Capitals' performance so far. Yeah, my uh, my college, my old college friend Paul, he uh, texted after last night's game. He is disappointed as a fan. Um, yeah, it's it's tough. It's you know they like I said that first game they really I felt like they really had it. They really had their playoff mode engaged, um, and they haven't had it engaged like sense i mean yeah rask to rask's credit he is a good part of why washington has has uh seen their struggles in this series but yeah i mean i think ovechkin's frustration is not uh helpful i don't really recall seeing him like this this early in a series so I'm sure, you know, on the bench, it's not good. In the locker room, it's not a, a help. Um, yeah, I'd like to see them turn this series around too, dude, because 
these are two powerhouse teams that would be an absolute thrill to watch. And that being said, they have been a thrill to watch. I mean, it's been three overtimes. Uh, all three games have gone to overtime. So, you know, we, we are still getting a good product from them, but it would be nice to see, you know, like they won that cup and, and then they lost to us in that first round. And I feel like they haven't been the same since, you know? No, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I just think that with the way this season played out, I feel like the Capitals out of the East just had their struggles throughout the season. And um, you're seeing that play out against the Boston Bruins. This is a series that I said would go far. Um, you and I both, I think, said would go six. I could be wrong. Um, but it just seems like right now, if Boston wins the next game, it's it's going to probably end in five. So if they want to turn it around, they got to do it in game four and they got to win that game. And uh, oh, before I go, I'll just add the game winning goal by Craig Smith was just a what happened Schultz moment. Um, mm-hmm. Samsonov plays the puck. He rests it behind the net and Schultz like looks over his shoulder and he sees Craig on him. And, you know, he doesn't see anybody around him and he just like goes away from it. And at that point, Samsonov's already returning to his net. And it was just like, a, what are you doing, Schultz? If you just picked up the puck, you know, that this game would have kept going on. Yeah. Um, the next game is the uh, Jets and Oilers. And I wasn't able to watch this game because I was watching the Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins double overtime. Um, but just from the final score, Jets up one nothing in the series from a 4-1 win against the Oilers. And um, I don't have, I didn't take many notes because I've hardly watched the third period. Um, but I'll just say that th- it's good to see this from the Jets. You know, I feel like this is a team that a lot of people counted out, especially when they had the Oilers uh, in the first round. And uh, this is just, it's great work by the, the uh, Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. A team that I think a lot of people counted out from the beginning, uh, including me. I, I picked the, the Winnipeg the Edmonton Oilers in this series. Um, and this is a series that I think it, Halibut is going to have to be the guy to seal this series. And so far he, he has done it against Mike Smith. And, uh, you know, I don't really have too much to add. It was, it was I, late at night, so I didn't take too many notes. And gotcha. uh, yeah, I just, so I, no, I, I caught the third period and, and I'll just say, um, I wanted to say this on the first episode, but I'll say it now. I've always said this, and that's the regular season, the NHL regular season and the NHL playoffs are two totally different brands of hockey. And to win a championship, you have to master both of them. And this series is indicative of how different the two games are because during the regular season – Edmonton is scoring almost at will. McDavid and Dreisaitl are running away with the points uh, as, as the point leaders every single year, year in and year out. And then they get to the playoffs, and it's like we're watching a completely different team. And we're not. We're watching the same team, but what we don't realize is we're watching a completely different game now. And the Jets are built in a way... That, that they're good once they get to the playoffs. If they can get to the playoffs, they can put a game together. Every year they do this. And Columbus is another team that I feel like this. Columbus couldn't, couldn't figure out the regular season this year, but if they were in the playoffs, I could easily see them going pretty deep 
with whatever avenue it would have had to have been. So that is that is one thing that I have taken out from this series, this Jets Edmonton series, is that um, you know, as as hockey fans, especially when it's your team that you're involved with, you got to remember that when the playoffs start, it's a different style, it's a different brand, and there's different task lists to hit to be successful. Yeah, and. Um... Last year, I, I remember picking Chicago to beat Edmonton, and I was like, everyone was like, what are you talking about? Why would you pick them to, to beat the Edmonton Oilers? And um, I think a lot of people get trapped in the, you can't bet against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and they get caught in that. Um, but when it comes to playoff time, two guys aren't going aren't gonna to win you a cup, and two guys aren't going to get you far into the playoffs. It's an all-around effort between the two teams, or, or between the between the team. And, and if you're if you're relying on Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl to show up in the playoffs, it's, it's you're not going to find much success. And uh, the uh, the actual other note I just want to mention, and then we'll move on, is uh, Connor McDavid didn't have a shot on goal until the third period, and the Winnipeg Jets were just holding down uh, the Edmonton Oilers and. Wow. It, it was a statement game by the Jets. It, it was a statement game by them, and, and they needed that. So the last game of the night was the uh, Colorado Avalanche against the St. Louis Blues. And I just copy and paste what we said about, you know, game one and just put it right there. <laughs> yeah. McKinnon had a hat trick. I mean, it's no, I don't want to slight the, the, the Blues fans. It's just, I don't. You know, I don't want to come off that way. It's just they cannot seem to contain McKinnon, Landis. They can't, yeah. Ethel they Rock can't figure it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, can't, they can't figure those guys out. No, and You're right. those guys are on the board, you know, you can't give up three goals to Nathan McKinnon and and and, and uh, end up winning. It's just not going to happen, and they weren't able to do it. And, uh, you know, that was pretty much the game last night. They they had a good response, I thought, being down 3 nothing and uh, I, I would say that Colorado, they kind of took their foot off the gas and it, it led the uh, the Blues to score a goal. But I was like, yeah, they scored and it's a good response, but they're still down by two and I just didn't see them coming back. I feel you. I agree. I think uh, St. Louis is in a precarious position and they've they've really got to hone in on, on whatever game they choose to play and hone in on those three guys. And uh, if they can do that, they can probably start chipping away at this uh, this gauntlet that they have to run. Yeah, yep. That uh, that wraps up this episode of uh, Wheel Take Selly. It was great to to review all these games tonight. If you're looking to watch uh, the games, you have um, the Panthers at six thirty. You have the Islanders at seven. You have uh, who's the other East? Dang it! Now I slipped my mind. Dang it. <laughs> and then you have uh, Minnesota Wild and the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. The, oh, the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my they gosh. Kick off How tonight, could I? Yeah. <laughs> it just it, it fell out of my mind because, you know, the first Canadian division just started yeah. yesterday. So I yeah, yeah. It. But uh, that, those should be a good game to watch. Just unfortunate scheduling by the, uh, the NHL here. Three games within an hour of each other. It's going to be tough to, to watch, but uh, I'll do my best. We'll, we'll manage. Yeah, we'll manage. 
thank you all for watching again. We uh, really appreciate the feedback and we really, uh, we really look forward to making these episodes. So, you know, if, if you guys keep responding and keep watching them, we'll keep making them. You know, we love to do it. It's, it's very fun for us to talk about. It um, is. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun hearing from you guys too and, and all your appreciation. So yeah. uh, we'd like to express our appreciation for you and we don't want to hit you with any of that like and subscribe crap. Just listen <laughs> if you like it. Yeah, exactly. That's all you got to do. As long as you're listening to it, we're happy about it. And if you're giving us feedback, you know, even better. Um, but we'll end it here. And, uh, you know, thanks for listening.